Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Good evening and welcome back again to the program this week. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week at the same time. We've been doing a series on the book of Judges, as you know, if you've been following our ministry. And we're going to continue today talking about Samson. And we have went through the book of Judges, and we've talked about several of these judges because every one of these judges picture something of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ because the key to this book is in Judges chapter 1, verse 1. It says, now after the death of Joshua, we know that the Hebrew name Joshua is the Hebrew name Yeshua. It is the word we translate Jesus in the New Testament. It's the Greek version. What we've shared with you is that each one of these judges picture something that is a result or a judgment on some form of enemy, whether it be sin, sickness, poverty, or death. It was a judgment upon those enemies because of the death of Joshua. We see in the New Testament after the death of Jesus, he said that if I be, now is the judgment of this world come. Now is the prince of this world judged, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And so this spake he concerning what death he would die. But the, his death was a judgment exacted uh, on, on uh, all of the enemies of the people of God. Now is the judge, all, and all the powers of darkness and all the chaos and was gathered together in that place. And we're going to see that more as we study Samson because in his final death, he killed more in his death than he did in his entire life. And so the death of this Nazarite exacted the judgment that was due, and he took it all into himself and became the judgment for us so that he could draw us into himself. Last week, we showed parallels between the birth of uh, Samson and the birth of Jesus. Very much similarities. There was Manoah and his wife were uh, barren, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said to them, you're going to conceive and you're going to bear a son. She had borne no children. She was barren. We see the same thing happen in the New Testament, when the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and says to hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, and you're going to conceive and bear a child. That child is also going to be a deliverer. Samson and his parents had a son who had a Nazarite vow, and Jesus, born of Mary, was a Nazarene. So when I look at this, I'm looking at, first of all, the key thought to me is, if Samson's hair is growing back, there's a return to the right covenant. And I believe that covenant is the new covenant. And I believe that some of the enemies that we are dealing with are being able to move from an old covenant to a new covenant and our redemption from uh, sin, sickness, poverty, and death, and even the curse of the law is through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. So now we come, though, and we get into uh, we get into the 14th chapter of the book of Judges, 
And we start to see Samson now, not as the baby or as the young child, but now we start to see him uh, in his, uh, in his uh, uh, if you will, young years. It said, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah and the of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, go get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah, with his father and mother, and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion, and he took some of it in his hands and went along eating. And when he had came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman, and Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. I want you to note that. Samson said, I'm going to pose a riddle to you. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot in this series. If you can solve the riddle within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen, I think that's important, 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose the riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. This is a key verse. Now for three days, I want you to note that. Now, for three days, they could not explain the riddle. It's a three-day riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband, that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you have not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father or my mother, so why should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him the seven days while their feast lasted, and happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. And then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. He went down to Ashkelon, killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, 
and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion he had been, who had been his best man. Now, you see the life of Samson begin to unfold. Now, while I believe it points us ultimately to the greater Nazarite in the New Testament, Jesus the Nazarene, who ultimately takes all of the powers of darkness, just like Samson does, and gathers them to himself, all of our sin, all of our iniquity, all of our fallenness. He brings it to himself and, and deals with it there in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But what we see, first of all, is our iniquity unfolding. In other words, you start to see Samson here as a picture to me of those who should be in covenant with the Nazarite, but have their head in the lap. You know, uh, again, these men and women, every single one of them, were flogged with human weakness. What gives me hope, even as I look at the book of Judges, is that they are ordinary people that have human weakness and flaws. Gideon was a coward. Uh, Ehud was left-handed. Othniel had the younger brother's syndrome. Deborah was a woman. Jael had a nail. Jephthah was the son of a harlot. Tola's name means a worm. His dad's name was Pew, and his grandpa's name was Dodo. I mean, these people were flawed with human weakness, but you see even especially Samson, he makes it into the great hall of faith in Hebrews, the 11th chapter. He's listed as one of the heroes of faith. So I see both a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, but I also see us in this picture and many that have uh, kind of moved away from what their destiny and their purpose is. And here's Samson's problem, and it has been his problem. He's got woman problems. He, it, later on, we're going to see he lays his head in the half lap of a harlot, but now he's kind of messing around with the Philistine woman, uh, the uncircumcised Philistines, because God had sought uh, an occasion against the Philistines. But what happens in the story is that he sees a woman of the daughters of the Philistines, and he wants to take her to wife, and so he goes down to her. And, uh, uh, you know, and so he, he, he goes down and he says to his father, get her for me because I want to, I, I want, I want to, you know, kind of bring her into marriage with me. I, I think you could kind of see in this also a little bit of a picture of Jesus again, who desires to not only include Jews, but also Gentiles. They bring both Jew and Gentile into covenant with himself. And he's going to do that the same way that he brought us in to the covenants of promise. But here's what happens is that she come, he goes down and on his way uh, to, uh, on his way there, so in verse 5, it says, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hand and went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave them some also to eat, but he did not tell them 
that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So on his way to, to this Philistine woman, a lion comes out against him. And he kills this lion with his bare hands, and then there is uh, honey in the lion. And there's bees in a swarm of, and he eats, he takes and dips his hand in it, and he gives eats of the honey, and he gives some to his father and mother, and he doesn't tell them what has happened. Now, I can't imagine that this guy has just killed a lion with his bare hands, and he's not scratched up or anything, but he has literally killed a lion with his bare hands. And, uh, he, and then uh, he, he's going to eat honey from the carcass of this lion. And when he gets down there, then he poses this, uh, this uh, riddle. He said, let me pose this riddle to you. If you can correctly solve it, explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you can't explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear. So he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. Now let me tell you that I think it's important. He says, now for three days, they could not explain the riddle. Now, le now, let me tell you that I think that what this symbolizes to me is the riddle of the ages. And that riddle is simply this. The death of a king has produced promised land results. Because in this lion that is slain is pictured to me, Jesus taking all of our failures and all of our iniquities, and it was my sin that literally killed him. In other words, he took my death, he took my penalty, he took my sin. And it was my sin that was laid upon him that killed the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and so for all of the failures that you and I have had, our past, our present, and our future, God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was bruised, wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was laid on him by whose stripes we are healed. And when, I, when he comes to pose this riddle to them, he said, if you can solve this riddle during the feast, this three-day riddle, and for three days they could not explain the riddle in verse 14. This riddle is a three-day, three-night riddle. And the three days, every time I ever see the three days and three nights in the Scripture, you can bet there's something hidden there of the person and work of Jesus Christ in his three days and three nights of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if you can solve that riddle, it will give you 30 changes of garment. Now, I think it's incredible that 30 is the number that means the blood of Christ and that he would give them 30 changes of fine linen. And fine linen speaks of the righteousness of the saints. So what he's saying is, if you can solve this riddle, then what's going to happen is it's going to change you. If you can get a revelation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and solve this during the feast, the three days and three nights of the person and work of Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then you're going to see it change your life. You're going to see that the blood of Jesus. When you get a revelation of the death of this king 
and what his death exacted for you. Maybe God will return everything we've lost in Adam and restore it back in Christ. Because the, the, you know, what is amazing to me is when I think about, again, the, the 30 changes of raiment, you know, uh, 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 the 30 changes of fine linen. The fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Under the old covenant, if you wanted to be righteous, you had to keep every jot and tittle of the law. You had to earn your righteousness. But in the new covenant, we understand that because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and because of the uh, of, of the uh, gift of righteousness, we reign in life. And we understand that we became righteous because he that knew no sin, became he was made sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, he took all the failures. You, you can see the failure in the first part of this, of Samson, who has an appetite for bad women. And he's drawn aside after this. But what you see in the death of this lion is you see Jesus taking all of our failures, all of our weaknesses, all of our iniquities, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And that all of the judgment that I had coming and my debt that was owed to an old covenant and my debt that was owed to sin and death was fully exacted in the person and work of Jesus Christ so that my righteousness now is no longer volatile, but my righteousness is because of the death of a king. The death, that's the riddle being solved, is that the three days and three nights is out of the death of a lion has come honey, which is promised land stuff. And when you start to realize, even when Jesus set up, now is the judgment of this world come. Now is the prince of this world judged. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And this spake he concerning what death he would die. And so then he goes on to tell us that the, the Holy Spirit then would convict and convince the world of sin because they believe not, but it would convince and convict us as believers of righteousness because I go to the Father. And so the work of the Holy Spirit now is to give us the, the answer to the riddle, and that is that his death has produced a righteousness that is not volatile, and that, that fine linen, according to the book of Revelation, is the righteousness of the saints. And so when we solve that riddle in the feast, and you know, we can look at a lot of stuff about different kinds of feast in the Bible. I mean, there's the Feast of Passover, Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. But what I really want to emphasize is that it's the three days and three nights. He was crucified, died, and buried. He was quickened, he was raised, and he's right now seated. And then what we do is we appropriate by faith what he has accomplished through grace, and we start to realize, I was crucified with Christ. I died with him. All of these are scriptural things, crucified, co-crucified, co-died, co-buried. We were buried with him in baptism. Then we were quickened with him according to the book of Ephesians. Then we were raised with him, and now we're right now seated with him in the heavenly places. And, and because we're seated with him far above principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named, so that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what happens is, is that because we are seated with him right now, we have a right to reign over our enemies. Now, I'm not talking about people. You know, we, 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 you know, I know that we see this in the Old Testament. There were actual physical things that were happening here. But to me, these are parabolic. They're, they're pictures that get, show me how that we are reigning and ruling. That You know, when I think about even sickness, I think about sugar diabetes, it's just a name. Cancer, it's just a name. Heart problems, it's just a name. I just want to invoke a name that's higher than any other name that can be named, and that's the name of Jesus because that's the name that was given far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that can be named so that the name of Jesus, everything must bow. And when we start to look at the power of this, you know, of this, of the death of this lion, he was the lion we see him then in the book of Revelation where it says the lion, you know, when John said, I wept much because the little book that was in the right hand of the angel, he said, I wept much because no man could take this little book and open this book. If you compare that little book in Revelations chapter, chapter number four and five to the book of Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, he says, in this book were lamentations, mourning, and woe. And he uses the same iconic language in the book of, 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 of Ezekiel. They're in, in this little book, and, and he sets the stage. It's almost a direct parallel of Revelation 4. There's a throne set. He that sat upon was to look upon like amber and a sardine stone. And, and uh, you know, he starts to describe this same setting in Ezekiel, that you see in Revelation 4. And he even uses this iconic language. And he says to Ezekiel, take this little book because it'll be in your mouth sweet as honey. And in your mouth or in your belly, it will become bitter. Same thing he says to John later on, take the book and eat it because you must prophesy again to many nations, kindreds, and tongues. And it'll be in your mouth sweet as honey. And, uh, in, in, and, uh, but when it gets into your belly, it will become bitter. And so he's talking about this little book. And in Ezekiel, in this little book, is lamentation, mourning, and woe. But watch this, because this is what's so powerfully important to me. John said, I wept much, because no man could take this book and open the seals thereof. He said, but don't weep any longer, John. There's a lion out of the a lion, a lion out of the tribe of Judah that has prevailed. He can take the book and open the book and the things that are written therein. And then it says, and when he opened the seal, they, they begin to sing, as it were, Revelation says, and he took the book to open the seals, and they sang, listen to me closely, and they sang a new song, singing, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every nation, kindred, and tongue, and you are worthy. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth heard I saying, Worthy is the Lamb to receive power or honor and glory and all of these things that he says. But what I want you to see is in Ezekiel, in this little book, is lamentation, mourning, and woe. But in Revelation chapter 4, they are singing a new song, singing, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. This lion from the tribe of Judah is the answer to the riddle. The death of a lion has redeemed us from lamentation, mourning, and woe, 
and we are singing a new song, not one of lamentation, mourning, and woe. And if you can solve that riddle, you get 30 changes of garment. You get to wear a white robe, and you get to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. There was 30 changes of garment, which is the blood of Jesus, and the white robes are the righteousness of the saints. And so if you can solve that riddle in three days and three nights in the person and work of Jesus Christ, you're not going to be singing what's coming is lamentation, mourning, and woe. You're going to sing what we've been redeemed from is lamentation, mourning, and woe. Now let me say this to you so you don't get too distracted. The book of Revelation, as I believe, and we may talk about it when this series is over a little bit more because I feel like I need to come and address some things from the book of Revelation because of the season we're in was written to a, a first century bunch of people. It was written, first of all, to seven churches that were really in Asia. It was written to a Jewish audience who are being offered an alternative to be redeemed from the curse of the law. And for those who would receive that by faith and embrace this lion and this lamb who was the ultimate sacrifice, they would not see lamentation, mourning, and woe. But to those who did not solve the riddle, as it were, or did not realize and rejected their lamb and rejected their savior and rejected their king, the rest of the book of Revelation is about the lamentation, mourning, and woe that came upon them. I think it interesting, and we may compare this in some of our later studies, but in Deuteronomy, God said to Moses, after you die, these people are going to go whoring after other gods, and all of these curses and plagues are going to come upon them that are written in the book of this law. So teach them this song and have them learn this song and have them sing this song generation after generation so that they will know when all of these mournings and woes come upon them that it's the covenant curses that they've called upon themselves. When you get to the book of Revelation chapter 15, it says, these are the last plagues. In them is filled up the wrath of God. And they sang the song of Moses. The book of Revelation is not about coming catastrophes. It's about the lamentation, mourning, and woe that came upon first century Jewish people and uh, first century Jerusalem because they rejected their Messiah, did not solve this three-day riddle, and did not embrace their king, hence all the curses of Deuteronomy came upon them and all of the same plagues that you see in Egypt came upon them because they did not apply the blood of this lamb to the doorpost of their house. Here's the good news. I believe that from now on we're under a new covenant and the new covenant does not include lamentation, mourning, and woe. It is a new song of the new covenant singing you have redeemed us to God by your blood. I'm not looking for catastrophe. I'm looking for redemption. He loves the world. He didn't come to condemn it. Well, we're out of time. If you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry again and to help us to stay on the air, please do that by going to my website. As you'll see the link on the screen, there's a place where you can give via credit card or debit card. Uh, you can also send a check or money order to the address that'll come on the screen of Lynn Hiles Ministries. Or you can pick up your telephone and call the number that'll come up on the screen. Someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message, and we will have someone from the team return your call. But we do need your help, and we appreciate your sowing and giving into the ministry as it does enable us to take the gospel around the world. God bless you. Have a great day. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am.
In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.